I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody and gone, oh, Florida is number three in the U.S. for sex trafficking or human trafficking. And, and wow. people are like, I'm sorry, say what? I just saw that today. Yeah. And, and Jacksonville's a hub because the interstate's here. So we have Super yeah. Bowl here. It's, yeah. it's insane. We at the Collective Perspective Podcast have set out on a mission to understand some of the most impactful and controversial trends and topics in our lives today. Hi, I'm Jeff. I'm Travis. I'm DJ. Can we find common ground in the middle in a peaceful manner? Not for political gain, but for real community benefit. We believe so. As veterans and concerned citizens, we are bringing together diverse views and fact-based research to navigate this tough terrain in search of a viable path forward. Only time will tell, but if we listen with open minds and try to understand each other, we just may find a solution. Or two, collectively. That is why we care about what you have to say. If something piques your interest or ruffles your feathers or tickles your fancy or whatever else you'd like, leave us an audio message at podinbox.com backslash collective perspective podcast, all one word, or directly on our show page at mtsjacks.fm backslash collective perspective podcast. You'll have to log in, but that won't cost much more than your time. We'll be discussing your messages on the show, whether you give us a high five or say, hey, you better do some fact checking, fool. As long as it's positive and it's your perspective, we'll possibly give you some airtime. But remember, it needs to be family friendly and not defamatory in nature. Hey, everybody, this is Collective Perspective Podcast, and we're here in sunny Jacksonville, Florida, talking with you collectively from the Main Street Suite at Mixed Theory Studios. Collectively. Hey, everybody, this is Jeff with the Collective Perspective, and we're here with another episode of Homelessness. I'm here with my buddies, Travis and DJ. Say what's up, guys. What's up, guys? What's up? And I would like to introduce Miss Noelle Marks. Hello. She is with a foundation called the Human Collective. Our bridge today from homelessness is human trafficking. And that's where uh, homeless people become part of human trafficking. They're an easy target. They don't have anywhere to go, anywhere to live, any money. They're lacking a support system. They don't have a tribe. They may have burned all their bridges, and they're out on the street. And so below that, I would say sex trafficking is like that, too. Noel would be the best person to tell us, but what is the difference between sex trafficking and human trafficking? So human trafficking is the exchange of any service. You can keep it broad. And then sex trafficking is the exchange of money for sexual favors, specifically. So prostitution. Pimping. Yeah. And it's crazy because you say pimping, but it's not just even that. They've expanded it to pornography. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, to strip clubs, things like that. That would be uh, the gateway drug to human trafficking. Sex trafficking is pornography and strip clubs. And there's there's quite a few strip clubs in the Jacksonville area. And a lot of times the, the church and sting units are constantly battling with them over occupancy. Isn't it a strip club in Jacksonville that just got like a $60,000? They did. The government had to pay them, yeah. I saw that. The police, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, there are some civil rights there. I wouldn't say that everybody in a strip club has the best intent. Maybe the girl just needs some money, and that's maybe not the best way to make money, but she's making money, and you know maybe she's providing for her family and, and going that way. Where I see the problem is, is when drugs get involved and exchange of services. That's where it could lead down another alley. I think the uh, entertainers and the dancers can definitely be manipulated into 
human trafficking and sex trafficking and working in strip clubs and whatnot. Because like you say, they might be trying to make extra money on the side, you know, pay bills, maybe pay their way through college, provide for their family. So I agree. I think they broadened what is included and what is entailed in the term trafficking to include the strip clubs. And now they have strip club ministries and they have the porn. And so from what I understand from my perspective is pornography leads to an addiction for whoever's watching it, right? And just fuels that industry even more, but then it does aid those people in that industry to continue to do the things, which will lead to the prostitution, to the pimping, to the et cetera. And then it's to find more people to be a part of it, right? Could you give us an example of homelessness and how it bridges to human trafficking? We initially started working with the children in need or at risk in the public school systems. This is the Human Collective This is the Human Collective. We started in October 2020, reached out to my alma mater in Clay County, and then my daughter's high school, and then my church. And the first Christmas, it was just kind of, hey, who needs help at Christmas? We were blessed with 87 children between the three organizations that needed some extra love. So a good percentage of those were considered homeless in the county. I spent the the good bit of 2021 working with some social workers, just kind of boots on the ground, seeing what they needed, what were they up against, things like that. They have these children coming in who don't have clothes for the winter or girls that have accidents in school and they come in and they're having to search through cardboard boxes Mm. of donated clothes. And so my thought process was, I'm a single mom. I went through it. I remember scraping together pennies to get a milkshake for my kids. No child should have to shop, quote unquote, through a cardboard box. There's no dignity in that. So um, we started working closer and closer. And then we realized that a good bit of the schools that we were working very closely with, most of the children that were deemed homeless were living in hotels and they have to bounce back and forth so they can stay three weeks at a hotel. Then they have to leave, go to another hotel for a weekend, and then they can come back to the other hotel. One of these hotels is known as the hotel that the sexual predators go to live at when they get out of jail. Oh, wow. So here as a mother, what do, what do I think? I go. That's in Jacksonville, right? It's in Clay County. So for me as a parent, I go, let's pray and hope that they have parents that are working their tails off. But they get out of school at what time? One forty, And they go where? They go to the hotel that they're living in. And who's there? When we started diving into sex trafficking and human trafficking and realizing that it was in your backyard problem and not just an international problem, Insane internationally, of course. But when you walk into a room where you're told you're going to sit with survivors of trafficking, and it's in Jacksonville, and I graduated from Orange Park High School, you walk into a room and you see a girl you went to junior high and high school with, it's a little different. Yeah. And you go, she was on her way to get her master's degree in nursing. Wait, what? I'm sorry. I went to high school. I was I was afraid to look at her. I, I, I went to hug her, and I looked at her, and I said, her name and she looked at me and she was like Noel and she hugged me and and she is a huge advocate obviously for us now but when you're realizing that it's in your backyard so when we started going to these seminars and listening to different stories and I may start crying I'm just gonna let you know so we will too we had a woman tells a story how she was married her high school sweetheart had I don't know three kids with him he went off to war came back PTSD he left her she had to get a job what do you have to do? You get a job. So she goes to Walmart. She's working the night shift because she wants to take care of her kids during the day, right? When they get home from school, man starts coming through her aisle or her, you know, she's cashing them out. 
she's like, oh, this guy's here. He's hanging out. He buys her a Coke. He buys her McDonald's one day. And then he's hanging out more and then he's hanging out more. And he, he starts to date her. So he's courting her. He's courting her. Right. Next thing you know, he's at her house. He's putting groceries in the, in the refrigerator. He paid a electric bill, mm. paid a phone bill. What a good guy. What a great guy. Six months, eight months, year goes by, whatever. Because you have to think about how much money he knows he can make off of her. So for him, this is easy. Keep in mind, this is a real story this, she's talking about. Yes. And she goes one night, he's sitting on the couch and he says, oh my gosh, so-and-so has to go by this place. Do you mind riding in the car with her? She says, okay. She gets in the car with this other girl. They get to this place, wherever it is. And the, the passenger, the lady says, you need to get out of the car and come with me. They're not going to be comfortable with you sitting out here. She says, okay. She goes inside. No, I mean, it's your boyfriend's co-worker, at your, which, what you think at the time, right? It's okay. She goes inside, and she's raped by two men. Dang. She comes out. She is a nervous wreck. Happens to look over at the lady's phone and her pictures on Backpage.com, which has now been shut down. So she comes out. She sees the phone. And then the girl says, here, take this, and you'll feel fine. She gives her some drugs. Next thing you know, by the time she gets home, she's forgotten it's happened. Ten years goes by. She lost her kids, and she is roped in completely. So for the whole ten years, it's just uh, wow. a blur because she was addicted to drugs for ten years? Or you know, was she there didn't a die. lot of pain and suffering with them? I, would, I can only imagine there's pain and suffering. I can only imagine. I've, I've heard stories of women getting pulled out of rehab and literally being taken to a hotel room, stripped of all their clothing, and being raped by 50 men in a day. Wow. Why would they want to rape a woman 50 times? It's just They like, got a problem. Well, they got a problem, but why Why are they doing it's it? It's to break a human. I'm sure that if you were to ask a survivor, she may give you another reason. So it's like waterboarding or torture of any other. This is torture. It's right. like breaking uh, a horse to ride a horse. You I mean, break you, their will. Yeah. Isn't you the break their grooming? will. The grooming part is a whole other thing. Now they groom children to go into public school systems and identify children that are by themselves. So here's where here's where your bridge to homelessness may come in, right? So if you are a child at risk, you're possibly being bullied, right? You are kind of segregated from everybody else. You're sitting by yourself. Maybe, maybe you don't have a good home life. Maybe mom and dad are never there. I don't know. Maybe you don't know mom and dad, right? And you're sitting by yourself. These people are grooming other children to come in and identify those children, befriend them, and then say, hey, let's run away. Let's, there's a better life out there. We can go here. We can go there. And the next thing you know. So they're being recruited and don't even know. Correct. Or you have a story like Coco Berthman. She was a, a young lady in Germany. Her mother was selling her hey. from the time she was two. And I think she maybe got out when she was like, 11 and she crossed the country on her own to get away did not realize that she was being trafficked by her own mother until her sister and her were watching Gilmore Girls one day and said how come we don't have the relationship that the mom and daughter have on Gilmore Girls how come we don't have that relationship with our mom and then they caught an episode of Law and Order and they were like oh oh wait so that what just happened that's not that's not okay. That's not normal. And then the sister, the older sister, went to confront the mother and was killed. Wow. And then she, Coco, found a, a hospital that was like on the other side of Germany that if you, if you went, 
and you got there, they would take you in, no questions kind of deal. And so she left to go to Germany. I mean, she traveled the whole country of Germany, got out, and then tried to rebuild her life. I can't even imagine all of the trauma that she went through. As an 11-year-old. And got in a relationship with her therapist. She's, she's confiding in her therapist about all this. It was used by her therapist. And now the poor thing has cancer. Wow. Oh, my goodness. But she is an advocate. She has built herself up and overcome so much. So there's got to be a leader somewhere. And the, the people that you're talking about that have gotten out and they were close with somebody... That wasn't the leader of that little faction. I mean, the, the the pimps, they only keep so much of it. They got to pay somebody else, right? Well, pretty much, they're like the middleman. Yeah. Let's not forget that all of this exists because there are customers in the first place that want this service. Right. And I think that's where the tie-in for pornography and strip clubs come into. I am a part of an organization called Rescue Freedom. They do international work on the rescue and restoration of sex trafficked victims and We had a leadership retreat in Washington State, and it was amazing to watch men stand up. I've seen so many women stand up for this cause, but to see grown men stand up and show pictures of when they were in Thailand and they went through these brothels and the girls just have numbers on them. Wow. And it's like, I want number one. I want number seven. I was in Pusan, South Korea, and they have a street called Green Street. And there's also Amsterdam Red Light District, but there's just women in a window. Like if you were shopping for clothes, it's like, oh, crap, that's not a mannequin. That's a real woman there. Maybe she might not be naked, but she's there for sale in that room. So, yeah, when I was in Korea, the term they went by was the juicy girl. So instead of them uh, having sex for money, they did it for alcohol. They had hit a quota. About getting so much alcohol bought, that was like the incentive of them getting like a, a day off or something like that. So I remember after 5 a.m., the curfew was over. And I remember me and my partners, we were coming back in and we were walking through the veil, the alley. And we look up. It's like the Korean women like looking at us from from the window. That's where they stayed. So upstairs is where they slept. Downstairs is like either the bar, the club and whatnot. And the women pretty much the madams. So they knew the comings and goings of all the base people or the the Americans or whoever. Yeah, a lot of the soldiers were easy targets. Oh, yeah. A lot of of them are because they're young. They don't know any better. Mm -hmm. They don't have a lot of life experience. Well, you know, it's interesting. One of the guys said a large portion of that clientele in Thailand or, or wherever it was that they were, were older white men. But he says, you think about the society that we have and then the pressure that you put on a man, right? to work and do nothing but work and focus. And so when he does that and he does six days a week at work and does nothing but that and focuses on that and then he loses his family or his kids grow up or his wife leaves him and then he's 70 years old and he's retired, then what? He's lonely. Yeah. And then you tie in morals, values, society, where we are now and the easy access to that, right? There's a thousand things. Is there a benefit to legalizing prostitution? Like, it's legalized in, in Nevada. Vegas. Lord have mercy when it hit me with one I didn't expect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of like there's an argument to legalize all drugs and then deal right. with the, the rehab of that. And a lot of it, I guess, and the forethought is, is that if you legalize prostitution, then it takes the illegality out of it. And and so it can be done in cleaner places. I think it would create more loopholes and, and charges no, in court. I'm not saying I condone it because yeah. I'm just saying that 
it may be a safer route. Uh, on your analogy with the with the drugs, what you're doing, I know. Oh, what you're doing with that is you're making government come up with regulations for something and and make it almost impossible to do it the right way, and you'll still have the black market. I mean, think about how long it's taken for marijuana to get passed in certain states. There's still a black market for it outside of those states and even within those states for different different things. I mean, just because you legalize it doesn't mean that it's right and it doesn't make it safer. I mean, look, I look at strip clubs and all that as like gambling. You're putting money into something. You're not getting anything out of it. Now, listen on the flip side of that. I do have some women in my life who have been dancers and by their own free will and have been very empowered by what they do. Now, I will tell you that I have never had this conversation with them as to what is your tie in there. So that's, it's interesting. And so to, to, for me to go back to your question, no, <laughs> I do not. I don't. I personally, me, my opinion, I do not think legalizing prostitution is there's always just going to be something bigger and badder that somebody's going to try to do out of that, you know? Has that ever been scary? Have you ever had to deal with people that's consented to sex trafficking or human trafficking? That's a great question. And I was saying earlier, my mother worked a lot with the migrant farmers in Hastings. And she would see what they were living in. There's no electricity, no running water. Their social security checks were taken. They, they were hooked on drugs and then worked to death. Social security meaning they, they were already on, like, government mm -hmm. help? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then and I would talk to some of these guys. Some of them were on the path to be pro football players and injury is something and it knocked them out and then so they went to work on a farm because that's all they could do to provide for their family and then they get so detached and their family is seven states away and it's crazy so what she would do is she had a farm truck and she would sell fresh produce out of it and she offered jobs to two of these farm workers right she said i got you an apartment new clothes uniforms tvs never had tvs right you have a shower bed all the things she gave them two guys one guy embraced it. The other one couldn't handle it. He said, I would rather just go back to where I have no responsibility, don't have to think about paying a bill, don't have to think about I have to be at work on at this time somewhere else, right? And he steps out of his wherever he's at and just walks onto a farm and it's mindless work. So yes to that. Yes. And that's sad to me because that goes into... Breaking the spirit. You have been so broken yeah. that you don't understand you're worth so much more than that life. Even with the human trafficking, with our veteran brothers and sisters that have mental struggles, some PTSD or whatever they're going through, they would be targets of somebody for who knows. You don't, Hey, look, you don't have to interact with anybody. Just go out and work in the field for us. Didn't you say there was uh, three avenues that someone in this predicament can go? So that was when I was talking about the kiddos in school. This is my opinion. This is my thought. So when we started our foundation, I had been working in human trafficking, sex trafficking in the arena, but I don't want to reinvent the wheel. There are a number of amazing organizations that are out there fighting it hard. It's the awareness. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to somebody and gone, Oh, Florida is number three in the U.S. for sex trafficking or human trafficking. And, and wow. people are like, 
I'm sorry. Say what? I just saw that today. Yeah. And and Jacksonville's a hub because the interstate's here. So we have Super yeah. Bowl here. It's, yeah. it's insane. So I did not want to go back and try to recreate some way to help fight trafficking. I just want to aid them, right? So then we were working with the school systems and the kids. I lost my cousin to suicide. Um, Sorry to hear that. Bullying. Thank you. So, I mean, I have two little girls. My ex-husband was, like I said, a commander on SWAT. I've seen social media. I'm in marketing. I get what it's like to not fit in. Believe it or not, I grew up in Middleburg, and I was the little Asian girl, and I was made fun of terribly. So, one, you either get bullied and depressed, and you take your life, right? There's one. You overcome it, right? That's another. Praise God on that. Or what do you do? You feel unworthy as a child, and again, I, I speak to my daughters. You feel unworthy as a little girl and you're made fun of and then you feel like there's no hope. So what do you do? You either turn towards validation and prostitution, right? Because submitting to that because women, they do find their validation and self-worth through men and that's an easy avenue or you're more susceptible to being picked up by that child that's being groomed to come in and get you and to recruit you. How do you teach your kids to look out for something like that? Again, I think it's awareness to just go, listen, it happens. Our children have to understand and be aware. And that's that goes back to when I made them Google themselves years ago. It was probably when Instagram first started coming out. What do you mean, Google their name? Google your name. My daughters would have their girlfriends over and they'd be posting pictures and tagging themselves and putting their location. And again, like I said, my ex-husband was who my ex-husband was. And I said, first of all, at the time it was... <laughs> Daddy may have arrested somebody that may not like him anymore, so you need to be really careful where you put your location, right? Back then, that's what it was. Now, it is, you do realize you are putting your every whereabouts on there. And so they Googled themselves. They were on Google. They were there. And this is probably when my oldest was like 10. You can Google yourself and find where you are at and what school you go to. That is scary. Both of my daughters have had text messages or Snapchats come over where it says straight up I'd like to be your daddy and take care of you absolutely have had that I immediately screenshot it I send it to my ex-husband it's so scary to me as a mom of two little girls which they're not little now but still impressionable everybody is impressionable now the need in this day and age for acceptance through social media I cannot tell you how many girls I see that are friends with my daughters, they're 16 and 18, that are sharing way too much skin on social media. But why? It's for the like. It's for the like. It's for the like. It's for the like. It's an addiction. My ex's daughter has a Facebook. I was looking at her profile one day, and I see some guy in California talking to her. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. No, 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 no. What are you doing? Do not do that. But you're seeking the validation and the self-worth and those things. And then the next thing you know, they're roped into that. And that in itself is a gateway or a form or a, a, a way into that life. And it, it's scary. It's just yeah. scary. Yeah, social media is like almost a trap because, like I said, you can get so caught up in wanting to maintain all those likes. Like you can go from 700 likes on this picture to your next picture, 52. Right. That bothers you. It might just bother you. You want to. Do something to maintain those amount of likes and follows and views in your stories. And then you get a little more risky. Exactly. You test the waters, then you have people 
that's on the other end that's actually looking pretty much like the consumer and they're going to make a move. And that's the thing is like, so you talk about legalizing prostitution. So you put that up here, all the way up there, right? And then you talk about the I want to say, by the way, I don't condone that at all. Just, it was just... <laughs> Thanks for that clarification. Yeah. So you, And then you sit here and you say, what are we teaching our younger generations, male and female? What is okay? Well, girls, we want to get all the likes. You want to be liked by all these people you'll never meet in your life. So what do you have to do? Show more skin, show more skin, show more skin. So we're telling our girls it's okay to do that. And then we're telling our men that's a, that's the way to validate our girls to do these things is to like, 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 right? So you're you're climbing your ladder to, hey, it's okay. We might as well just legalize prostitution because, I mean, we have our children half naked on social media because society is telling them that's how you're going to seek your self-worth. Would you say that a lot of it is broken families that that would happen more in? Like no. maybe not having the father figure around or is that just any family could be? You don't you don't think that they're more inclined to seek that other parent, so to say? I am sure that the percentage and the actual statistics on it are yes, yes, you're right. I mean, I, I definitely do go to church and my pastor will tell you right now. He says, fathers, love on your daughters because if you don't, somebody else will. Okay. And so I do. Yes, I do believe that. But on the flip side of it, I have seen it come from loving homes. And when I say loving, parents mean well, but parents are working their tails off and they're a little unattached, maybe. So they're not paying attention to what their children are doing. Maybe. Well, more in a single parent. Listen, when you become a parent, you're always like, well, I'm not going to do this because my mom and dad did this and I didn't like that. Right. I tell my daughters all the time, here, I try to raise you the best way I can. I am going to mess up, and you, I'm sure you'll go to therapy one day for something that I did, and you're going to raise your kids, and you're going to say, I'm not going to do this thing because my mom did that, and I can't stand it, right? Can I ask you a hypothetical question? If one of your daughter's friends started posting those type of skimpy bikinis, and I understand that it's... There's traps. Well, they started posting that on Instagram. Now, there's two things. Uh, I know that's kind of where the style's gone, and, and I'm not the uptight father. But it doesn't necessarily have to go on the Internet and be documented and for other people to see and there forever. What would you do if your daughter's friend was posting those pictures? How would you approach that mother? And maybe that mother says, I don't see any problem with it. Why are you going to put me out like that? All these parents and all these kids are going to be <laughs> they're gonna be listening to this. Well, um, now, this is just your perspective. I mean— we're so, not experts on anything. Hypothetically speaking. I, like I said, a hypothetical yeah. question. I mean, because hypothetically it's happened. What do you do? Do you go, hey, your daughter's doing this? No. So uh, my ex-boyfriend, his daughter has achondroplasia. She's a little person. She's beautiful. She's just gorgeous. She's, she's 21. And I have seen some of the things that she's posted, and they have been for the attention. I cannot even imagine what her life is like to seek self-worth. So I have approached him as a parent and said, I love you and I love her. So I want you to see this and know this, but do not go to your child and get after her. Don't do that because that I w I'm very lucky that my, my mother and I and my children and I have a very great relationships. So we are, we are best friends and we share all the things. There's fine line. Listen, I'll tear your behind up if you disrespect me or anything like that. But I want them to be able to confide in me on all the things and feel comfortable. So my parenting may not be an ideal form of parenting. But with my ex, I did come to him and say, so here's this. Don't say anything to her. 
She's beautiful. She's gorgeous. While we may not see the reasoning in her doing this, or we may see the other side of it, you can't come at her with that because that's just going to hurt her more. All you need to do as a father is see where you're missing the beat, right? So love on her more, show her self-worth and those things, right? And then with my own daughters, I'm very blessed that their friends actually confided me. They all follow me on Instagram. I follow them back. I've seen the red solo cups in the back of a car. I know what you're doing, girl. Don't even play. Like, listen. But I mean, I try to build a relationship where it's, hey, listen, I was 16 too one time. Granted, there wasn't social media back then, but I was 16 too doing the stuff. I get it. I'm no saint, but you have to have that communication and let them know it's not always the great way to go, right? Well, I, I see the route as being, hey, Noel, you can't hang around with Tom. Yeah, I don't do that. You can't hang around with Tom. Well, Noel will go ahead and hang around with Tom anyway because you said no. So I've had that happen with both of my children. Both of them have had people in their circles. One was smoking weed. My youngest, same thing. She's got some friends that do it. And I go, hey, listen, they do it. I'm not going to tell you not you can't hang out with them because that makes no sense to me. Listen, make smart choices. I didn't raise you to go do that. Don't do it. And if you get stuck in a situation where you don't want to be, call me and you say the emergency thing. Did you let Rosie out of the house? You know, and then I'm like, oh, Rosie needs to be let out. I'll come get you right then. And it's a no questions asked. I'll ask you later when you're ready to talk about it. But I have never been that parent. That's dope. You got a, you got a code. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We established a code when we were in mm-hmm. um, Japan with our kids when they started going to like the pre-K and stuff. Did you really? That's dope. You have to. So my mom did that with me when I was in high school. She was very open and she would say, where are you going? I said, we're going to Chris's house. Okay. And I remember calling her, running down the street. Mom, the cops came. Mom, the cops came. She's like, you've been drinking? Yes, ma'am, I've been drinking. She's like, I'm on my way. I sat with a social worker one day and she has two Title I schools that she deals with. And I was telling her all the things, human trafficking and suicide prevention and all that stuff. And she said, yeah, I've had three kids in this school that tried to take their lives. Sorry, wait, at an elementary school level? She said, yeah, three kids. She has one in the junior high being trafficked. She's like, you know, majority of our families are living at Zen Living. So I I walk up to one kid at Christmas time, and he was on a list of kiddos we were just loving on. And I knock on the door. I said, hey, is your mom here? He goes, she died in February. I said, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I said, is your daddy here? I don't know my dad. Like, well, Noel, open mouth, insert foot right there. Who is it that I've been communicating with? And he's like, this is my brother. So you have two 21, 22-year-old kids taking care of an 18-year-old senior. No family. I'm like, you guys don't have aunts, uncles. I mean, we got somebody, but they live over there, and they just don't really, they don't really care too much. How do they get food? How do they get around? The two older kids work at Dollar General. They do not have a car. I said, I'm bringing food. I'm bringing food. No, Miss Noel, we don't need food. I said, I'm bringing food. Hush. Is there anything you don't like? No, ma'am, we'll take anything. Okay. Miss Noel, can you make sure that it's mostly microwavable because our stove's been broken for almost a year and the landlord won't fix it? Okay. So I don't judge. You can't judge. You've been listening to the Collective Perspective Podcast, a mature show with the intention of making a difference in society. I have delivered stuff where a child needs a mattress and I've gone in and there's a cloud of weed smoke coming out the house and mom and dad are playing video games on the couch i don't care your child does not deserve to sleep on the floor that weed money can buy a bed it could should a child suffer just because the parents are making bad mistakes so if i can show that child just a little bit of hope a little bit of love i love you i will care for you i care where you rest your head 
Maybe you will get a good night's sleep. Maybe you will go to school tomorrow and maybe you will find that you like school and you will excel at it and you'll you'll understand what it takes to always have a bed. Hey everyone, we're going to take an intermission because we have Noelle Marks here and she has a lot of information and we don't want to overwhelm you. So don't forget to download next week so you can hear part two of our conversation with Noelle Marks. Make sure you tune in and we will continue. Collectively. You've been listening to the Collective Perspective Podcast, a mature show with the intention of making a difference in society. So take a ride with us. Join us at the Collective Perspective Podcast where your personal truths get a little power wash. Like what you heard? Subscribe to the Collective Perspective Podcast whenever you listen to your podcasts. You can also show support for our mission by going to buymeacoffee.com backslash collective pod and donating whatever you feel inspired to. We appreciate any help keeping the lights on to bring you thoughtful and researched content as part of this show. Visit the Collective Perspective Podcast show page on mtsjax.fm, Jacksonville's new music and multimedia network sponsored by Mixed Theory Studios. You can find the transcripts of this episode along with the show notes, material references, links you heard about, and more. Hey, I want to give a special shout out and a thanks to The Real Jay Dash, a Jacksonville hero, producer, and artist for sharing his original music with this show and to the Mixed Theory Studios for recording and production services. We couldn't have done it without either of them. Thank you so much.